Welcome to Deadly Discussions. I'm your host, Isaac Harrison. This podcast on social entrepreneurship using business as a vehicle for change. Um, and today we have an awesome guest called uh, Joshua Dean. He is from the Sunshine Coast, like me originally, and he ended up in fine, beautiful weather, Melbourne. And uh, well, summer, I don't know what happened to summer, but we haven't had a summer this year, 2024, which is quick. So welcome to the podcast, Josh. Thank you. I um, I'm loving the formalities, Joshua. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, I don't. You know, some people you don't know if you shorten someone's name and they get offended. So it's like, all right, I'll say Joshua. Oh, no, not much offends me, bro. Yep, Josh, Joshua, <laughs> Miss, Mrs. I don't mind. It's all good. Miss, mate, brother. Thank you for having me today. Anyway, <laughs> no, mate. thanks really, so much. Really well, you know, start it. off sort of uh, share where you're from, where's your mob from, and uh, yeah, sort of who was Joshua Dean? Josh Dean. There you go. So I am 33, turning 34 this year. Um, I was born in Brisbane, um, lived in Dolby for a little while, and then spent uh, from the age of four till about 16 um, living on the, no, sorry, four till about 21, sorry, on, on the Sunshine Coast. Um, my family moved around a lot. I was actually having this really funny discussion with my fiance um, talking about you know, all the houses we lived in showing her around the Sunshine Coast. And yeah, wow. um, she's lived in like one house. Um, we go back to her oh, wow. parents' she's... house, which is in Yakindanda. So like in the, you know, go, going to sleep in the bedroom that she like was a little baby in, which is kind of like yeah, wow. the complete parallel world to me. But um, yeah, my family, we, they moved around a lot. Um, dad was in and out of jobs all the time. Um, I, my mob is uh, Palawar as well. Um, so my dad, he migrated up into Queensland um, with his yep. parents um, in the, I think it was the late seventies. Um, so for for dad and stuff, um, basically there was a lot of trauma based around granddad's, um, you know, a lot of racial division and stuff in Tassie at the time. Um, wasn't able yep. to get work. Moved up to Brisbane. Uh, told everyone that he was Eastern European. Um, that's why he had darker skin. Um, was yeah, earning well. some money so um you know a lot of my family um are really you know they've had a lot of uh trauma with the criminal system i think uh, every one of my uncles has been to jail uh so four of them yeah. um, apart from my dad uh so growing up with all of, all of that kind of trauma and stuff i feel like it kind of affected my dad a lot and um he wasn't able to work any kind of full-time jobs um so in that case, it meant we were yep. moving around all the time, going to different yeah, places. Um, I think we lived in about seven different houses uh, and you know, a few housing commission houses and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, Dad had a really horrible accident when I was about, I think, 17, um, yep. where he broke his neck and um, at work was holding like a paint drum on his shoulder, broke his neck. Uh, and because of this accident, he's been unable to work ever since, but he's also become uh, a severe alcoholic, opioid addict. Uh, yeah, well, wow. all of those things that you know come with this, you know, pa afflicted pain and just the trauma, etc., that kind of just snowballs. So, growing up, I was very much affected by that, um, which kind of led to me uh, emotionally removing myself from. <laughs> as many situations I could be in physically and emotionally uh, around my dad because he was so abusive, um, which really in a way kind of guided me into work, working within music and art. It was kind of yep. like my escape in a sense from um, the trauma 
I looked at art as well and music as like, I guess, a way to uh, elevate myself and my family. There's so many stories, you know, you hear it's like this musician came from this family and like, look at how amazing they are now. They're all rich. They're doing well. So I guess I looked really up to them, all these rock stars in a sense. And I really kind of wanted to find that route for myself and embody that. So that led me into being, I guess, a singer for like a really heavy metal band. Um, Yeah, wow being in like a, a straight edge band so no drinking i was vegan i was straight edge. Oh, wow. so i went completely the opposite direction where i was like abstaining from everything and just trying to live this like very straight life but in you know, the kind of culture scene where we're like punk rocking like throwing yeah. down in the pits like going crazy like releasing ourselves um playing football and stuff at the time so being very very active um, but my kind of creativity took over and I just really focused on that path with music, um, which yep. led me to tour a fair bit, which was awesome. The whole yeah, time I'd be drawing. Um, I feel like drawing for me was like my one thing that came easy. Yeah, I feel like, like yeah. in my life there's been so many things where I've really like pushed to be good at. Like music, I felt like I pushed really good. Football, I feel like I, yeah. I pushed really hard to be good at. But art was just this like meditation in a sense so um i've kind of i kind of kept that on the back burner for many years of my life um and just pursued all these things that were like really hard yeah (laughs) like i had to prove myself in a sense but um when i was about 21 or so out my band toured down to melbourne and i grown up in queensland like the the people up there quite quite different Um, i always felt like an outcast there like I really did. And even every time I travel back up there, there's a, there's a few people that I really relate to, but um, in Melbourne, I felt this really amazing, like collective community, uh, this, like this yeah. vibrancy of people being able it's to easy to find your, find your tribe. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And I feel as well, you know, the density of the population here uh, and a lot of the arts really drive society down here. Um, there's yep. a massive focus that I've found, especially in like government situations and stuff where they are really progressive in uh, focusing on highlighting art and creating avenues yep. and stuff for artists. Um, things that I don't think are as supportive in wider Queensland. I think Brisbane has a nice little arts community, but it's quite Yeah, small, contained you know? to West End. Yeah. <laughs> Mm, yeah, I think exactly. That's, I think that's, yeah, that's a very good point because I don't think you realize when you come to Melbourne that art and design are so closely linked. So when buildings and things are going up, there is a bit of a like a censure to it as opposed to just standard blocks of, you know, Eastern European dry drab, you know, modern inverted commas, you know, blocks that just go up. I think if you look around apart from the social housing, they can see the yeah. effort now to make everything, even like level crossings, railway stations. There's this element of like design and contours, the Bunjil place at Casey as well. Like these things are just like, um, you can quickly take it for granted and because they're not eyesores. So, but if you come from another place where everything is pretty drab, you don't really realize until you go to somewhere else. Like, oh, wow. Well, actually, well, my, my dad lives in Rockhampton and, um, this, you know, the, there's an art structure there and it's basically just a giant bull. And yeah. <laughs> like the, the bull has these giant, you know, metal nuts on it that just keep getting stolen. Copying uh, Wall <laughs> Street. Like, that, that's like the, that's their art there, you know. It's like, oh, hey, let's go all get Radio. drunk and go steal, steal the bull's nuts. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, the biggest, it's the biggest cost on the council's list each year in the budget, yeah. the, budget, yeah. the budget for more. 
um, <laughs> exactly. Testicles, but, um, <laughs> there's something that uh, oh, sort of lost my my train of thought there, but yeah, you do. I think there's a lot of natural beauty in Queensland, so it like overcompensates. Yeah. And I think growing up in Harvey Bay, we were like, oh, they built this resort and it's six stories high or something. And you're like, wow, you know, five stories high. It's like this amazing thing um, because yeah. you don't really see anything different. And then, and then obviously you come down here. Um, and I also saw recently, like in Sydney, they have like going to lift the rule on um, the city heights because they encourage them to go out. And I think that's some issues of Sydney today. So everyone has to live so yeah. far out to go into the CBD to work. Um, where if they followed like the Malaysian model where they've gone up, then a lot of people could have lived in the city, created a, a denser, more vibrant, active community. So yeah, it's sort of, I don't know, you got to be grateful, I suppose, that we do have a lot of spare land, but you know, who can afford that? So <laughs> uh, that's yeah, cool. Exactly. So you come down to Melbourne on tour and so because everyone knows I'm audio and Josh has encouraged me to yeah. go video, but you probably can't see Josh. You'll see it on the, you'll see it on the, um, on the, uh, the sort of the thumbnail, but he's put it covered head to toe, um, in tattoos, really nice tattoos, has long hair. Literally like, head to toe. Like literally head, head to toe. Yeah, every inch <laughs> of his body is tattooed. Um, and he has long wavy hair parted. So he is definitely someone from the two thousands, um, rock scene <laughs> pop rock <laughs> punk rock and i think that's sort of my age as well so that's so cool so you come down to to melbourne you sort of find your tribe your community did you find um so how did you connect with the like indigenous groups down here did that sort of come organically or over time did you oh, sort of identify so- obviously you've got the checkered past and something similar yeah. to my family some family would say they're indian or they were south sea islander just to get out of issues that could have been caused um, in that day and time, and yeah. obviously you've, your father, um, something similar as well, trying to distance himself to give himself a you know breathing room. So my my whole like life, I've always been identified from my family and by myself as being Palawa Tasmanian Aboriginal. Um, yeah. My my parents, like my dad, he was so passionate about it. Um, growing up, like where he grew up in Woodridge in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, quite quite a massive aboriginal community yeah, there. Yeah. and um my uncle as at 14 years old had a kid with um one of my aunties uh she's tsi yeah. um mainland aboriginal as well and yeah yeah for her like you know it, that just opened this entire other family up for my other for my uncles and for my dad and you know we, we were yeah. like the the white fellas with <laughs> in the black family yeah. basically <laughs> like but it's it's funny as like you know um but yeah we've always always identified and um i cop a lot of slack for that especially in nambour going to school and like there'd be like three other kids in our in our whole school that identify as indigenous as well and like i'd, I'd be the lightest out of all of them and you know, yeah so yeah you indigenous blah 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 and you know um me knowing about the racism the attempted genocides all this stuff growing up and it's and it still does it still it hurts your feelings because um i i don't think people understand that it's like in a sense like i'm really lucky to be here but what i look like in terms of skin tone is um purely because of attempted genocides um and you know the way that that the, the english and irish really came in and just Funded through Tassie and we're like, yeah, right, yeah. let's just, let's just yeah. clear Especially it out. Especially Van Diemen's so, Land. 
Exactly. So yeah, for me, like it, there, there was a lot of trauma for that growing up and stuff. And like, I, I have even in recent times, you know, get gotten comments and stuff on Instagram about it, but you know, there's always going to be people against you. You take it in your stride. I, I know where I yeah. come from. Um, I'm, I'm very well educated as much so as I can be um, on my my family's like you know history um not living there though there's obviously a lot of things that i actually like would love to learn as i get older and yeah connect with more palawa people um we, we've really taken a lot of um our methodologies and how we live and our ideologies based upon like Kavi Kavi and Gubby Gubby people in terms of like to, um, totem, totem animals and yeah, yeah. Um, the way that, that we were kind of brought up and raised by elders up in those lands was, yeah, um, yeah. you know, very, very different. So I guess that's why whenever I like introduce myself, I always kind of make a point of saying where I grew up because it was a massive yeah. part of shaping me and part of shaping my understanding of culture. Um, I feel like I can't relate as much to someone who's grown up and lived on La Chuita, um, yep. so yeah, like, um, but it, you know, we, we're, we're a very like amazing society in the fact of us coming from so many nations and different language groups and all that kind of Such stuff. A, I just think it's part of your story. Yeah. It's, and it's a great, um, point you make, especially when you come into like Australia day, invasion day, survival day whatever day it's <laughs> event that's been spin off from that. Um, but essentially, you know, cause my heritage, um, from Yorkshire Harrison, my great, great grandfather. Um, and I followed his storyline through ancestry.com and he sort of came government goes, here's some land out near Tyro, mate. Good luck. And it's like <laughs> the worst land ever. And I was like, the black fellas, um, like Cubby and Butchula definitely wouldn't be staying there during the middle of summer, you know, be going places more cool up in the mountains, you know, um, down by the beach during the winter and cycling through and hunting and gathering and that sort of stuff. Following, um, uh, what's his name? The, uh, of complete, like, you know, the turtle um, as well, the freshwater turtle at the Ulalula, that sort of thing. And, and it made me really contemplate that it's funny how you identify what you is your closest point of reference and i think that for me is sort of my father i had to research my harrison heritage because my father sort of cut himself off from that storyline and that origin story from england and that made it really difficult because then all i have now is an indigenous input except for my grandmother um you know that's the only english anglo australian connection point that i have but the overwhelming majority was indigenous you know so aboriginal cubby cubby Birugaba, and south sea islander so and people often think I'm like Samoan or Arab or, you know, something else other than Aboriginal. So I'm right there with you. And my brother's fair as well. It's, so it's the beard. It's the it's beard. The beard yeah, it's the beard that throws. And, the, and the, the nose, I've got the angry nose that throws people off. So it's so interesting because, yeah, you have sort of that connection point and then you identify so young, you understand all the trauma because you continue that storyline of the narrative where are Aboriginal people going with this, so to speak, you know. So you yeah, carry definitely. that. That I think you said feelings, I, that hurts my feelings. I think that's such a good point because when you just explain things, like so my son asked um, this year um, for so grade one, so we started talking about um, colonization and, when, and Cook came, but, you know, there was Van Diemen, there was the Dutch, there was the, the Portuguese, you know, everyone was sort of aware of the land down down under and sort of explaining that story. And then he said, oh, what happened, you know, to the blackfellas? And I said, well, Captain Cook came here, you know, put the flag on the ground and they started allotting land to convicts and settlers. 
And obviously that land belonged to someone else. And then that's began the tension, which brought into what they call the frontier wars and skirmishes. And he just explained it. And without him even choosing a side, he sort of said that that really made him upset. And I think that's something that people miss. They skip that process point. They just go straight to the preconceived stance. Oh, well, it's the sign of the times and colonization. And, and we brought the technology for the blackfellas, you know, and the blackfellas like, oh, they're all rapists and robbers and <laughs> the whitefellas. So I think a lot of us skip that vital point of connection to our emotion, which then brings up empathy for one another. And understanding. I don't the mean to lines. laugh, by the way. It's just yeah. the way you said. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, that's. I think, like, well, you sort of have to like just yeah, smooth yeah, yeah. over it because it's like so, such a hard thing. And and some days I think as well, I tell encourage mom all the time to just have a break, have a rest because it's a lot. It's a lot to burden, right? It's a lot to shoulder sometimes. Yeah. And um, but it's cool seeing this year. I think some people have held like a cultural day on Australia Day. Some people have had like an open sort of. I think when we do things like survival day, sometimes unintentionally it can feel like it's a closed door thing just for blackfellas. Yeah. And I think there's yeah. a lot of blackfellas and you should go on Reddit when you have time, but there's a lot of blackfellas on Reddit who grew up essentially white Australian and never knew they were indigenous. And then they found out later and they, they wrestle with the um, choice of identifying at jobs and stuff. And it's such a, yeah, it's wow. such a insightful thing to read, which I never had that challenge because I knew from the womb that <laughs> was a black yeah. like So you're reading and you're like, oh man, like I've never really thought of it from that perspective where you've come. Anyway, this is supposed to be about I, you, this podcast. So I have like talk. a funny Stop story um, relating back to like, I guess, you know, being young and um, when I was at school, so like uh, seven years old, grade two in Queensland, um, school I went to was a Catholic school, uh, very yep. pressed in their way that they operated um we were doing a history lesson so this is 1997 doing a history lesson on you know captain cook in the formation of australia and i was like uh, sorry mate uh my great granddad great grandma been here before then yeah yeah um to the point where the teacher's like no you're wrong like you're yeah. li- like, you know you need to do this you're lying you like this is wrong i'm like well my dad's told me my granddad's told me like my yeah, yeah. from before australians were here in my mind i'm like i don't even know what the hell's going on like yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's like the first time i've heard this you know what i mean like in yeah, the way it was yeah. explained is like no you weren't like you weren't here for yeah this yeah um but yeah anyway i had to go to the freaking principal's office and then yep. um essentially write lines captain cook was the first oh wow first person to discover australia captain cook like over oh, and wow. over and i had yeah, i yeah. wish mate as an artist i wish yeah. i kept that that would just like oh imagine that. for me like just to have that yeah. piece of paper like there to just show people like um this endemic racism and lies that yeah. like i experienced even as late as the 90s and how um confronting and like Oh, how un- unapologetically like racist and bigoted that yeah. was to a little kid to be there and then you know i go home i'm like you know like really upset like this this yeah. happened today dad and he's like you know this is just this is just part of it mate like this is you yeah. just got to get used to um 
Australian yeah, yeah. thing like this. <laughs> Welcome to the Federation. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, basically, yeah, you're going to deal with this your whole life. But it's good to see that um, politically, like, I, I am noticing, you know, there's a, there are still a lot more changes happening politically. I feel like societally uh, there's been a lot more progress. Yeah. Um, but when it comes down to, like, politi- like pol- political matters and stuff, there's still, like, you know, a lot a lot more has Yeah, I never really understood the um the pushback like i love history you know you know those memes about how often does your husband think of the roman empire i'm like guilty as charged at least (laughs) once a day you know persian empire the greek empire (laughs) all the empires the syrian empire the mesopotamian you know love it age of empires all those old games you know love i love history and for me it wasn't even a point of like oh, I'm right, you're wrong, and you should feel guilty, white man. It was it was all about the core of the truth, you know, the truth mm. of the matter. And I know my mate who's based on the Sunshine Coast as a school teacher, he, he had a lot of um, issues with parents because he gave, during the history curriculum, he would bring in um, Indigenous stories and Indigenous storylines about their experience and just the, like, the kickback and pushback you get from the parents. What are you teaching my kid? You know, and it's just like, mate, it's yeah. just the other side of the coin, you know? It's just, yeah. and I'd love to, and I think of like the the mining and the Eureka and, and the Ned Kelly, you know, th- talking of Ned Kelly because my beard, um, but like the, the Ned Kelly story, I'd love to hear their side of the story when, yeah. you know, the colonies are establishing the middle lower classes yeah. in particular. That's push the other side the of dirt. my family. Like, well, I'm, I'm Irish on that yeah. side, so yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> so like, that I, I would say to people, like, I, I would be the envision of what an Australian would be, being from like the Irish settlement side, being from the Indigenous side coming yep. together. I consider myself, like, in a sense, like you know, that's Australian. Like, I, I, yep. I'm Indigenous. I'm also like, and I sympathise with Australians, like um, the, the people that have moved here and want to listen and want to be a part of our culture. Yeah. Like I symp- sympathize with them. It's just this like totalitarians that yep. are just, you know, they just don't get it. Like how, how racist they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I always put it back it, to like ill gotten gains. Like there's usually a pushback because someone, somewhere gained something they shouldn't have gained. And to defend mm. that, you've got to sort of follow the narrative of like, hey, this land was owned by no one but savages. And so that's yeah. where really where it calls, boils down to um, because if you look at colonization, colonization 101, you know, the Dutch um, India trading company, then the British India, those empires yeah. had their peaks. And then as they were declining, they got more and more desperate to take more and more. And then they started losing. Like America essentially said, yes, yeah, screw you guys. We're going to do our own thing and colonies all over the world. So you always go to the heart of the matter with people and say, you know, it's okay to educate. It's okay to understand that, like, yes, there's people with that agenda that will probably twist it to make people feel bad. But at the end of the day, it is what it is, and it's cool to hear everyone's story of how they sort of made it here to this country and then sort of ended up where they are today. Yeah, definitely. I just want my casino, hey. I just want some land to put up my casino. Yeah, yeah. We don't have the, the tax breaks, the Native Americans. Um, we will push for that. I doubt that's going to happen. And on the topic, before we go into your work, because uh, that's a bigger intro, is I saw the paper talking about all the land giving back to the WA mob. Um, people need to understand is it's not freehold land where they can build casinos. <laughs> it's essentially native title and the right to manage the parks and look after country 
you know, it's not like, oh, great, now we can build a port and sell it to the Chinese for 99 years, you know. And so it's incredible that we've come a while as mob and access to country, but it's very far off what counterparts have got in um, America or um, New Zealand even, you know. So anyway, let's get into your work yeah. and what you do. This is my funny. This is a funny <laughs> saying that I only realized. I only just started saying. What do you do for a crust? I think it is. Is it a crust? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. yeah. That's the first time I heard the other day. And I was like, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, sure it's gone. For the bread. It's years. For the bread. Yeah. For the bread. Yeah. Chase, as the Zoomers say, what do you do to get that bag? Get that bag. Um. Look, I I'm very much considered myself a jack of all trades. Uh. I I live like in in this world of dreaming. Like um. It's part of our culture, really, and I feel like I've kind of followed this dreaming forever. Um, I'm a very spiritual person, and I try not to go too much against the grain in terms of, like, chasing money. I kind of more yeah. so kind of let let myself have the skills so that when things present themselves to me, I can be a problem solver and figure out ways to kind of make money out of that <laughs> um, yeah. and include myself True as well entrepreneur. with people that I respect i want to work with and i want to have a good time you know i want to enjoy my life i came to the conclusion we've all got to work <laughs> you can't you can't <laughs> not work like as as, as fun as it sounds it's actually boring like i you know i spent being in a band you know we go on tour i'd spend yeah. a lot of times just chilling with mates like just drinking and whatever and just wasting time and being flat broke eating like sharing a whole large pizza with mates and like you know Six, six, seven people living in a three-bedroom place. Like, um, it, it's it's not that great not working. It's, it's fun, <laughs> and I I think uh, when yeah it wears off, you yeah. would know obviously time and place. Yeah, you've you've toured, you've had that fun. What would you say to sort of young younger listeners who are thinking, all right, career in the music and arts, and sort of just bumming around? living on 7-Eleven Well, look, coffees. you need money great. to promote yourself because, like, that's the main thing. You can have all this talent yeah. and skill, but if you don't have the money to promote your, like, self, um, and this is for all businesses, advertising is the key to get yourself, like, more people for more money, more, more, more like, um, you know, access to a bigger network and stuff. Yeah. You'll only be as big as you can be with, like, you know, your pockets, like, lined with lint. Like, you'll be yeah. playing on the corner of the street to the same, same people like yeah. um but but for me i guess i've had a bit of a um a winding route to get where i am now i um dropped out of school um at the end of like pretty much the end of grade 12 i just i was like there was no point finishing for me i really yeah. didn't listen and um was just just over it by that point um so i basically studied nursing um we had a, had a very tra wow. traumatic situation at home um bit of family violence um yeah my dad set my mom on fire um and yeah basically well. tried to kill her yeah. uh so for me you know after dealing with that um caring for mom and all these things mom was in a complete burn soon you know with full full uh three oh, no. degrees thickness burns whatever it's called full thickness burns yep. to like 60 percent of her body um seeing the ambulance arrive and just how they basically saved her life was a massive inspiration to me so i had these big dreams of like wow. oh, you know i just want to study nursing i want to become a paramedic all these things and so essentially did my ens at nursing and then during my placement like I'm looking at me you know i'm so tired i also had like huge ear piercings and stuff and um, yep. i copped a lot of abuse from a lot of the elder 
likely people up in Queensland. Um, massive, like you know, a lot of people are really? in obviously a lot older. Yeah. But um, it just kind of got a bit too much for me, and then I had the situation where a young kid um had an injured couple, uh, yep. and I was hanging out with him. We're just playing uh playing Mario on the on the Nintendo. Yeah. Um, and you know he's sitting there and he started crying like tears of blood, and essentially that's the um one of the last kind of signs that meningococcus yeah. gone all the way through your body through dialysis etc and um i wanted to stay with him but uh, i was doing rounds and the nurse who was running the room at the time she's like you know you're only training still you've got to go off and do this like you know, yeah you spend all your time. And he was like all right sweet in my mind i'm like i'll go back to him when i finish my shift and you know just i didn't care if i was going to hang around for a bit longer because he was a little legend you know yeah um anyway finished and went to come back and he passed away and oh. for me i was like mate like there is like the, the money I was getting paid, the um the lack of level of care that I could provide for the compassion that I have as a person. I felt like none of them really aligned for me in where I wanted to go. Yep. Um so it's like, all right, this isn't for me. Dad being a trader, knowing all all tradesmen and stuff, I ended up um joining a like a painting team doing um yeah painting, painting and decorating, um like solid plastering and rendering. Um, I did that for a few years, long enough to get my ticket, started working on some like big job sites and stuff. Um, started like, cause I was still not drinking and stuff at the time. I was vegan yep. at the time. I was very like, like I was like the dude that everyone would laugh at and all this stuff. Yeah. And like, oh, what are you, what are you bringing today? Mr. Mr. No meat, you know, another uh, yeah, yeah. vegan burger, eh? oh, lettuce with lettuce. Say eh? like, you know, you're all right, Mr. Rabbit. <laughs> um just the slack that you know tradies get and like don't get me wrong like now i'm older like i could totally give it back but when you're young and like you know especially yeah, yeah, yeah. teams because all these guys you know they've been doing it for years and they didn't get their ticket um yep. it just got too much pressure um band was doing well so you know it was like stuff this and we got to yep. to it for a bit um after that found a job doing hairdressing um did hairdressing um in brisbane for yeah, wow. about about two and a half years. Um, then from that, started getting involved heaps in the the partying scene. Band broke up and stuff, so I was like trying to find new mates yep. and just you know get out of that whole hardcore kind of scene. So started getting really into the electronic dance music scene. And one of yep. my mates, he was a promoter at a nightclub, but he also um, had the rights in Australia for Skrillex's merch. So um, yeah, his first ever like merch line in Australia. Same with like Ariel Grime. Was working with Mad Decent, which is like Diplo's you know label, like massive yeah. producer. So I got got to um you know got asked to model for them um wear their clothes and I was like oh this is this is sick like as someone you know in hairdressing I kept seeing inspiration um of yeah. like, all these tattooed models and I was like you know this is cool like there's actually a world out there because like, I lo I love fashion you know it's an extension of my creativity so I was like yeah. oh, I'd love to be able to kind of pursue this more um out of nowhere you know just as do 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 universe works and bang mate, yeah. that I meet offers me this opportunity so that really kind of opened up Did you get a, to meet um, skrillex i I'd, sadly i didn't no no <laughs> which is a bit of a shame that would have been cool um but i got to, i got to have our own prime um dj in my house um oh wow we, we had like our fridge like kicked over on its side didn't realize you can't do that with fridges by the way fridge kicked over open you know, people drinking beers, like the full house party vibes was amazing. Yeah, well, we, we end up getting closed down. Don't put place. that on your rental application for your next house. No, no, but it, it was it was awesome anyway. It was just like one of those like 
you know, once-off moments in your life where you're like, oh, wow, this is like a movie kind of thing, famous American DJ yeah. that people <laughs> don't even know. Um, but, yeah, I guess for me, like, um, that really opened up this um, this idea of, like, moving down to Melbourne and um, being more involved in this, like, dance music scene, more creative people, searching yeah. um, for more modelling jobs. I kept seeing, you know, there was a lot more castings and stuff down here. The rent was cheaper yeah, certainly. me. Yeah. Um, Feel, felt like Sydney was depths out of reach. So I was like, I can find a place. Found a really cheap place in Melbourne, and um, yep. yeah, actually, um, found a really <laughs> cheap place in Melbourne, and um, yeah, was able to then find you know finish off my apprenticeship at a hairdressing place in South Melbourne. Um, yeah, from awesome. there, I had a client come in who was a fashion designer. Um, yep. Got me to model in the fashion week, wear his clothes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, signed them to an agency. Um, you know, kind of started like carving my own path because there were no other tattooed models at the time. Like, yeah. I, it was no one I like knew that I identified Indigenous either. So it was like, then it, it yeah, yeah. Like, you know, this tattooed Indigenous model, not like it is now. Profile, you know? Yeah. So what's yeah, that? So let's it. pause it there for all our non modeling listeners. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I've had a mo- two models on here before. I don't, um, Leandra. Uh, from Leandra Swim and um, BJ Brian Joyce from uh, from Queensland, um, brother from the islands. Yeah. So <laughs> the I understand a bit of the industry. So you get signed right to like an agency, and yes. essentially they go out with a catalog like from Aldi and go, "Hey, you want this guy? He's this high, this tattooed, and he's indigenous." And it's this much an hour, and then they take a clip. Is that sort of how that works? And they're actively finding you work, and they just give you a call and send you to a location? Uh, kind of. I guess, like, more so in the degree. So, back when I was modeling, it wasn't so much on social media. Um, yeah. So, so that was a game like changer, a- wasn't it? Socials, because essentially yeah. you could then go direct to the customer. Basically, yeah. That's why I, yeah. I don't have an agent. So that's why you guys see abs and butts all over Instagram is because people are <laughs> trying to get modeling contracts. <laughs> yeah, go. Um, but yeah, no, essentially, so like when you'd walk into the agency, so it was a lot more um, prestigious back in the day to be yeah, signed okay. because yep. there was a very much a look. Um, it was like, it was very, very like a, a coat hanger kind of situation where we yep. want someone of this size and style. Um, I was a lot smaller, like skinnier and stuff. I wasn't really well built. Like I'm um, I'm six one, which is still like a little bit too short for like what they want yeah. guys. They want this very like Eastern, like this is back in there, one of the very Eastern European, like. Um, yeah, strong chin. Like tall yep. dude, like, you know, like. <laughs> Aryan, like you know, like, yeah, like yeah. basically, like it, it's a very warped con- conception because a yeah. lot of fascism and stuff is still so rife in the fashion world. That's amazing. Um, that point. I just realized that when I think of fashion, right, you think of the Italian brands and the Spanish yeah. brands, Spanish nationalism, Italian fascism, or fascismo is the actual word yeah. that it derives from. I never thought of that. That uniform, <laughs> yeah, that's very crazy. apparent yeah. when you're overseas as well. So, um, yeah, yeah anyway. Incredible. Um, you'd have you'd have your your first shoot, your test shoot. Um, when the yep. agency signs you, they would then you know tell you they're taking a commission. Uh, they'll be taking yep. ten to twenty percent commission on your pay. 
Um, and that from that, you know, if you've got bookings, they would then take that and that's how they would make money off you. Yeah. Um, they would actively look for work for you, but then they would have a mood board when you walk into the agency of um, all of the models in their agency. So they'd stack you in alphabetical yeah. order or, you know, best model first or most money made or whatever, male and female. Oh, wow. And then some agencies will have like, like oh we only do 20 models. Like, and if they yeah. they found someone else, they'd kick someone out. They'd go, we want that person oh, wow. for number 20, you know. So it was very, very, very cutthroat, like yeah. completely different to how it so is now. 90s and 2000s, right? If you think of like all the movies that were coming oh, out, yeah. like that was the peak for the fashion industry, wasn't it? Like, because the, the, by that time, the internet really scales up into e-commerce and then people can go on yeah. Instagram and go direct. So is it is it still so traditional I, today or is it those sort of things have all been innovated? No, it's completely different now. It's like, um, yeah. it's insane how much it's changed. So like I was kind of there, like through the massive changes of it being tattooed, like that was never a thing. Like they just want to clean yeah. skin, like, you know, as we were talking about, but um. You know, for me, like uh, ASOS and stuff like that, like because yep. ASOS in in the UK, they they were really like having a lot of tattooed guys. I think I think a lot of sports players and stuff really kind of started. Yeah. You know, your David Beckham's and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think of uh, what's that brand? Um, Ed Hardy. Yeah. Like that sort of stuff started to really come out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, it was a market that no one thought of. G units. Yeah. Sort of a grungy sort of. You look at all the musicians as well. Like I feel like you know all that counterculture musicians really inspired it all. Like all the massive like bands coming yeah. out of the nineties, two thousands. Like they all had like a sleeve or something like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So essentially, like um, I was I was lucky at that point in time, I guess, to be able to be around it. Um, I got to walk for David Jones for Maya. Um, yeah. You know, many wow. big brands in Australia. I've shot you know, for Men's Style magazine, short articles in GQ. Yep. Um, kind of got to the point then where, you know, I had a few, I think I had about seven different agencies overseas. So yep. um, like booked booked uh, some work in Europe, um, working with Nicola Formaschetti, who's the head designer for Diesel. He's also the guy that's designed yeah, okay. like all the Lady Gaga's, like, you know, music videos and all this kind of stuff at the time um really like just wanted to meet him you know i was like cool this is awesome but at the same time the way that kind of you know the industry was working and still yep. very similar it's like your invoices go in models the last to get paid um yep. you're waiting up to 60 60 to 90 days at times so i yeah, even wow. though i was busy um being in australia i wasn't busy enough to be living like you know full time i still had my retail job on the side yeah um, couldn't work as a hairdresser anymore because of the commitments that I had flying places. There were times where I was so broke. I'd be booking a show for David Jones to walk their runways for like three days or Sydney Fashion Week for three days. And I'd be yeah. getting the train and I'd be like sliding underneath the seats and like trying to hide or hiding in the um, the toilets when the dudes were coming oh, wow. tickets. Um, tickets like wow. 30 bucks. I couldn't Didn't afford it. Didn't think we'd go there. That's incredible. Yeah, I slept in the park um, after I did a runway show. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, I think looking at your story, is you can see those components that are needed to be an entrepreneur, which is a little bit of industry and a little bit of sacrifice and a, and a little bit of going with the flow um, that I think a lot of people when I speak to and they say, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, they have a white collar job and they want to get out and they sort of ask them, I'm like, are you okay to not be paid for 60 days? You know, are you okay yeah. to essentially have to use your savings for rent for a couple of months. You know, are you okay 
sacrificing trips, you know. And I think a lot of people frame that go, well, probably not that okay with doing that. <laughs> I was like, you probably yeah. just don't have as big as an entrepreneurial appetite. I love how you sort of like you just go with the flow. How important do you think that is, like, in the journey of just sort of no expectations Mate, in a nothing, way, just, just go for it. Nothing has been harder than growing up where I grew up. Like, yeah, um, the struggle like that I had with my family, like the the like the trauma, like witnessing you know the horrible abuse against my mom. I was I was abused by my dad, you know, like like physically, yeah. um, and and mentally, I guess as well, you know, and um. Like for me to follow my own path um, has been the most liberating experience, and yeah. I, I would rather be broke chasing my dreams and fail than you know work in some job that doesn't make me happy. I, I'm I'm afraid of dying, and I want to make sure that if I'm gonna be afraid of it, at least I want to make sure I live a damn good life. So yeah. I use that, I guess, as motivation in a sense that when times are tough, I'm like, you know, this is just like a step towards a step towards a step. Um, yep. But, you know, you just take it as it is uh, and you just don't don't let it beat you because, you know, sleeping in the park, wake up to do a modeling runway show. It's like the, the next day, you know what I mean? feel like so... a rock star doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Little I do they know walking bro. down. Little was... do I know as you walk past Victoria. <laughs> yeah. Beckham. I haven't had a It'll shower. Be I'm, I'm <laughs> I just drank a bottle of wine smell. in the park. <laughs> <laughs> like you have no idea, uh, but um, you know, like, and I, awesome, I grew up around you know a lot of that alcohol abuse and like drug abuse and stuff. So for me, like, I just like I mean, people. You want you see it as I think a lot of people. Yeah, I think a lot of people who see that and don't come from that world understand it's like a vice a, med- a medical device that's cheap and effective to numb pain yeah. of the trauma and i think that's why aboriginal people um traditionally had access just to that just the grog you know they weren't yeah. able to access other other substances um so this so this day and age so you've done you literally are jack of all trades yeah. um, but yeah. i'd like to say a master of none but i've seen your art <laughs> and the photos of you doing your modeling stuff and even the little musical endeavors. So you're clearly not a master of none. You're decent. Is that all? I think you touched on before. You think hard work and talent where you've just going, or I'm going to just dedicate myself to just keep getting better and better and better at. Yeah. Like, look, um, um, we're like, I guess we're blessed in some sense with like something that we might be good at. Yeah, um, and it's until we develop that skill that we can kind of you know start to master it or whatever. I feel like, and as I was saying before, with art, like I've had that gift with it, but it's also the hours and the times that you put into it. It's like you know the musical stuff, like um, suck when I started it. Yep. Like I feel like I, it's always a progression. Like it's just putting the hours and time. Like you know, you pick up a a weight one one day and it's too heavy for you you keep trying to lift that weight you'll be able to move it kind of situation and i think um you know the the more that i realize um how amazing the gift of so, like solitude is yeah um, and how you can really focus on your craft in solitude i spent a lot of time when i first moved to melbourne um and i feel like the fashion world and this kind of stuff kind of rubbed that off on me where i thought like yeah. meeting more people and cl- in making this network you know people was gonna like open up opportunities to me 
Yeah. Um, which it definitely did. But at the same time, I'd then, you know, you'd go to a casting and there'd be some guy whose family was like this person knew that family at the bank yeah, the job yeah. kind of situation. So it kind of has a level that it can get to where you, you know, if you're externally searching for these people, there's always going to be someone above you in a degree. Whereas yep. when you go inwards, there is this level of uh, in- intrinsicity where you, I don't even know if that's a word, but where you can basically like, um, find your dream at the deepest depth and it kind of becomes eternal. So I look at yep. people who are like amazing um, at, you know, sports, for instance, let's say, let's, let's talk about Donald Bradford, you know, yep. all the stories of him just stick on the wall, bang, 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 yeah, hitting, yeah, the yeah. Ball, hitting the ball by himself. Like you think about all these times, all these people that we all, you know, look up to and, you know, there might be a rock star on the stage. How many times did that dude, play that guitar song alone yeah, in yeah. his bedroom without any anyone around him without anyone telling him that it's good he just wants to do it he wants to play it somewhere he wants it to be a yep. thing but he has to you know like search internally for the strength for the you know the abilities for the the way that he can kind yep. of you know create this um this image of this person that the world then connects with yeah so, yeah i think you're saying um, about that promotion thing as something our mob is sort of getting better at is understanding who who's your audience whether you're painting or talking or whatever it may be and then promoting yourself in a way to connect more authentically i think our mob yeah. find that really like oh this is a shame bro like this is embarrassing you know this is sort of <laughs> you have got to act a bit more um to get there now, Joshi, before we go into the longest podcast here on Deadly Discussions, uh, uh, we're halfway through sort of fighting out your story. If you want to share sort of the majority of how you sort of make an income, look after you and your um, awesome pa- uh, fiancé, I should say now, not partner, fiancé, <laughs> uh, and how you sort of get by. And, yeah, if you want to share about what, how the business structure looks for you, I think a lot of artists um, will really appreciate who listen to that because it's not a traditional sell a product service day in day out on an e-commerce store you know it's yeah. sort of a mixed bag isn't it yeah so i have a couple of different income streams um i feel like as a creative it's the best way for me to keep uh, continuous income kind of happening um it, it occurred over a few years of you know trying one thing really hard out and then realizing wait you know there was in between invoices all this stuff so when lockdown kind of hit um I really was just like, I'm just going to try a few more things at once. So, um, you know, I've worked social media that came from modeling, yep. um, you know, as we diversified. So social media was a, an income for me, still is an income for me. Um, I work with a lot of different brands, uh, do a lot of social posts, um, love doing posts in the alcohol space. Um, I yep. love the history of alcohol, especially growing up where I came from. I love um, looking at alcohol in a sophisticated way. Um, yep. So... There's a, there's a lot of money in advertisement with um, alcohol brands as well, which is awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's basically, you know, social media. It is, it's, you're, you're advertising um, as an influencer. You're advertising um, all of these products, all these things. So essentially, you know, it's an advertising yeah. job. Um, I think people don't look at it like that enough as they actually probably should. But um, so I yeah. do that and then... Uh, in lockdown, you know, uh, had a, had a few really good wins with um, some big campaigns. So I was able to invest in some camera gear. I uh, yep. didn't have any photographers at the time that I could work with because 
social distancing. So yeah, uh, thanks for the inspiration, Daddy Dan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I now have cameras, so I shoot content. My my fiance helps shoot content with me as well. Um, she's amazing at, at take photos, so we work work together on a lot of content that we create. Um, she's basically my backbone when it comes to yeah. a lot of things that I do. I wouldn't be able to film the stuff she put she's put up with me with all my rage quits and all yeah. that, you know creative <laughs> creative craziness the long hours on master class, master works or whatever the, the training yeah. online training programs yeah. but through that um self self-taught uh video editor um yep. so a lot of youtube teaching me all that kind of stuff just just learning on a whim to uh kind of create yep. you know more affluence in my abilities to work with bigger brands and create um you know better better content um so yep. from that i've used my artistic skills invested in ipad can do graphic design graphic design for a few companies actually going to be in a cookbook soon for yeah, wow. um, my, my first ever like little book thing that i've done um yeah, testicular so cancer called root yeah, food wow. Wow. so i got to make um like a, i made a banana split um wow. cherry on top, but it's a testicle conversations on this podcast already I think, it's, it's my, my entire career <laughs> it's, a, it's it's a good thing it's good to raise good awareness yeah right? yeah yeah and thing. like yeah yeah exactly that's but, fantastic yeah. it's i think <laughs> the theme i think the theme for you is like that principle of art which is having something raw shaping that creating that and then distributing that and then i think you've just applied that to different tools like in a tool belt yep. you know from photography to modeling to hairdressing even they all that's seem it. to I have this common thread sort of woven together that's yeah exactly like i i just say to people when they ask me what if work i just say i'm, a, I'm an artist I'm, I'm a creative a full-time yeah, creative and i feel like that's that kind of good, fits yeah. but like you're legit like you actually pay bills with it so, so people <laughs> like i'm a creative <laughs> i say live in my mum's basement and yeah yeah <laughs> just exactly, play games online but... yeah it's given me an amazing opportunity though, I guess as well, because, um, you know, when I'm, I'm getting wins with clients and stuff, I've now had yep. this ability to know, um, how to structure like budget yeah, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And it's given me time now to not stress about art. Um, so instead of like what I think people would say, Oh, you know, I've got money in the yep. bank. I'll take some time off. I'm like, I've got some money in the bank. I'm going to get creative. I'm going to go ham on yeah, as much hard as I can. Freedom, yeah, because yeah. art sales aren't frequent. Like, you know, every artist yeah. will tell you this until they're like you know, selling out packed yeah. packed rooms in like all around the world. Like it's it's not frequent um enough to really have as a full time to be a full time yep. artist. But I definitely paint as a full time artist. Um I yeah, just it's have incredible. Lot of, like have a lot of paintings that I, I have, you know to put towards you know the next exhibitions or yeah, yeah. um to slowly render things out and I, I look at it as a legacy project really like it's where i want to be in the future it's what i want to be remembered for yeah. and i know that my time will come i'm, I'm only 33 so if i yep. can continuously refine my skills and um, continue through this journey and utilize um i guess what I, what i'm doing working for myself um to really have this you know affluence yep. in time to be able to work creatively on other projects it's it's, it's such an amazing. interesting concept because you can't just really go and be a subcontractor as an artist like oh, i'll just go be a subby and do someone else's <laughs> lines and stuff. it's like yeah you sort of got to yeah. do it and i think uh my good friend uh shalom mike was he's like old he's in his 50s but you know been painting for quite a while and then all of a sudden people go oh it's 
you're you've made it you know but it's been years in the making um and it's very similar to you like trades renovated houses musically gifted as well and then art is just an extension of all those experiences um so yeah it's really inspired me um to consider oh maybe i should something you've said to me is just slow down and create not for the sake of an end audience or user but just for the sake for your own meditation purposes 100 yeah definitely love it bro like a, a um, oh, let's, oh you go yes i was just just quickly sorry <laughs> no you're right um, I, just trying to get you out now <laughs> A lot of my art that I use as well, like um, I've been making sure as a way that it's kind of connecting towards my spirituality, like um, yep. being Indigenous, uh, I've always had a love for animals and um, I find being Palawar as well, like we, um, yep. we we don't really have got paintings as our motive of art, like there are some cave yeah. etchings and stuff like that, but um, I, I, it's a lot of figurative art, very tribalistic figurative art and yeah. I look at the way that I paint things now. So I try to paint quite realistic um, in terms of like, you know, paintings. Um, and I, I look at that as like a way of uh, kind of showcasing the diversity of First Nations yeah. because um, I'm quite a, a purist when it comes to the way that I look at art. And when I see dot paintings that are coming from people that haven't traditionally used them through their families as a way of them exposing themselves to the art world um and putting themselves out there i look at it in a sense of like you know there's like some family out in the middle of nowhere this is like their income this is why they're charging yep. so much it's like their legacy and their stories and you kind of it comes across like it's cheapening a product to me when it's not something that i can attach myself to but i also yeah. think that there's um an amazing uh like amazing avenue there for people to express themselves through art um by like going back on their past and their history yeah. and finding out what what their families actually did and actually having a way that they can relate those stories to it instead of painting yeah. um, like a Yolnu figure and painting it when you're living in Nam. Um, to me, I kind of find it like it's, it's hard to wrap my head around all respect yeah. to them for yeah, like, I get you know, yeah. keeping their artistic merit going and all that. But um, yeah, I find that for me yeah, spiritually, yeah. I just want to have this extension where it's all about, you know, sustainability it's all about animals it's all about yeah. um, motives that i connect to um yeah, as an indigenous person yeah. that yeah that i can really i can get on a world stage you know and talk talk about yeah. this um in a sense of yeah. it's an extension of aboriginality it's an extension yeah. of, of first nations uh, and this is like why it is like this um yeah. i feel like those conversations aren't art happened enough inside um like the indigenous art space like yeah i think if you do it to... disingenuinely maybe once or twice to maybe pay the bills or to yeah break through is like you're then expected to then continually to do this and to the point where you're just so distant from what you're producing it's just soulless and you've become effect effectively an actor um well, representing diversity life in indigenous cultures is like one of our like key factors like we are diverse so like i just yeah. designed something for monash university and i made sure that i had like every indigenous like person in all different skin colors to show the many shades yeah. of black because i don't want kids to grow up dealing with what i dealt with being yeah. light skin um and i want people to understand that there's like you know there's power in honoring your ancestors and being yeah. proud of being whatever color you are but i want people to feel like they're visible 
Um, and, yeah. and as an artist, I want to represent that visibility so that it's kind of intrinsically getting into people's minds and they don't just see it one way. Yeah, certainly. No, it's good work you do. And I think of uh, Kenita McCartney, the, she's from the salt, the pink salt light mob. And so all of her work um, has the pink theme throughout it all. And I think that's just like so awesome because it's such an authentic connection. But yeah, I could imagine if someone from the territory tells an artist at the homelands, hey, I want you to produce something like this from this other part of country. They're like, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> that's not yeah. my, that's not my, that's not our, cult, our tribe style and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah. no, it's so inspiring. I think just hearing you talk, um, and we could keep, keep going for ages. All the different <laughs> yeah, stories. I, I know you've got more stories. And some of the stories that you've told me now I have to go process because they're, they're quite, um, your trauma, you know, being thrown over to me to be like, oh, wow, that's really sad, you know, and having to process that. But what do you think, um, the future looks like for this whole, indigenous economy i know we've had a conversation um once about what it looks like a contemporary indigenous style sort of integrated into the wider australian um, landscape design wise modeling you know changing the perspective of everyone so what do you think that looks like in about 10 years uh, in about 10 years geez well i don't reckon we'll have another referendum yeah <laughs> 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 uh... Look, I feel like we'll both be great. Mate. The referendum was like how not to do it. It's just yeah, like, basically, yeah. yeah. It's um, something. Um, I'm, I'm, sorry, you keep me talking. It's your fault for getting me talk. I don't talk as much <laughs> except for when you're on here. So, but it's um, I think the referendum right was just. I've noticed this now as people our age, millennials, older millennials, are starting to see people in positions of influence and authority in government and corporates in the sporting space where we're all sort of working to make a better Australia. And I think that old way of thinking, which is blackfellas get handouts and are drunks, is sort of going as those people sort of pass on um, going to retirement villages <laughs> in their own little yeah. islands. And so for me, it was I always thought to myself, we should give it some more time, wait a little bit longer, and there'll be a resounding yes, and it will look different. The yes will look different. Um, so that's what my um, perspective anyway you I, I feel like um like a, hom a more of a homogenized australia in the sense of like um you know thwarting out all the bullshit like that, that yeah. comes comes you know and yeah um, yeah and there's a lot of, and i think that's one thing black fellas just because someone's a black fella doesn't mean every other black fella's like we love this black fella <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very diverse it is yeah but one thing we like, don't I like see... is corruption and bs <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't lie to me. <laughs> don't lie to um, me again. Look, I, I, I see it like uh, in the sense now that um, we're, we're all like, I'm quite a political person. I feel like a lot of people in our generation are, we're quite um, activated uh, in, in terms of like how we respond to certain things. We've got social media now, we've got networks where we can really share uh, our, our feelings and our thoughts on what the government says yeah. um, in democracy. I'm hoping that as we get older and our generation who are more plugged in, plugged out of the matrix situation, um, yeah. start listening to people with the key voice the right voices. Uh, there's a lot of elders um, that they're not, they're not my mob. Um, I, there's a lot of things that have been said that I don't agree with. Um, I know one day I'll be an elder um, and I hope that I can really really share um a way of bridging this gap yeah. between um black fellas and the 
you know, the rest of Australia and yeah. like being able to walk hand in hand together for a country that we're all proud of. Um, yeah. I feel like it's going to, it's going to take a few years before things start dying off. I, I just, I want us as Indigenous people as well to focus on the issues that are still at hand for Indigenous people and not jump onto other situations and other things we yeah. sympathise with and kind of dull down our own movement um because there's a lot of things that still need to be addressed uh we've got you know the evasion day rallies and stuff in melbourne this week and there's yeah, a few yeah. other issues that we've attached death, ourselves to deaths and custody is a big one yeah. uh, land access yeah. land rights yeah yeah but uh, yeah. even other nations other countries issues and stuff where i feel like we are kind of diluting the uh the, the fact of what's happening here still you know um by yeah such a big bubble that it kind of alienates um, us as people and our, it also alienates other Indigenous people from wanting to kind of work together with other people. Yeah. Too many issues, you know, that are foreign. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that we can all really just spend the next 10 years really just focusing on our strengths, um, working with the, like, I guess they said, the handouts, the, the support. Yeah, yeah. Has offered towards us like um as an artist it's a massive thing um working with grants working with the government on activations it's huge um there are yeah. you know amazing employment strategies pathways i'm hoping that these things really strengthen indigenous businesses and indigenous people so that going forward we don't need them um yeah. and we're able to really non-biasly be able to kind of you know have our like us being respected through our hard yep. work, through our through the ways that we work, um, and you know, I, I'm sure that coming from you know, like someone from myself coming from the trauma that I have, it's kind of been inspirational for me to work harder. And I feel like there's a lot of other people that are in a similar situation that yeah. are all coming of, of an older age where we're going to be in positions in ten years where the things we do are really going to have, have influence down, yeah. down the ladder, yeah, and have influence, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think as the years go by, people like um, myself, yourself, and our good friends, um, keeping in contact with each other, even though it might be like different political views or cultural or religious views, that one day we can sort of have some closure for our community and, and settle it once or for all. I think that's the most exhausting thing is there's never, like Uluru's statement from the heart was great, but it's also very broad. So people can have their own interpretation of what that looks in the practical sense. And I yeah. think hopefully going forward, each each tribe, each mob can have some sort of closure and um, end date where they go. This is the date where it's a reconciled Australia and we can move on and, and not worrying about having to fight or explain racism tropes just, or stereotypes to people all the time, you know. We just have like a giant Barbie. It's like on the beach. Like we have the like giant Barbie. Yeah. Long Barbie and we like those lamb ads, man. Snag on there. <laughs> yeah. Those lamb ads are so shame. Snag on yeah. there. We're like... <laughs> Here we go, mate. There you go, mate. Look at this one. You know, oh, don't worry. Mine's a little bit more burnt than yours. But, you know, I like it black. <laughs> oh, sorry to my listeners. They're like, this guy, man, he's just talking about things. Um, hopefully, I don't get striped on Spotify again. Uh, so, no, no, I'm just joking. He's good. He's a, hey, he's a promoter. He's a brother. He's from Nambour. If anyone knows, you'll understand very quickly um and i love that artwork in the background too that um oh thanks mate. Yeah, Major Mitchell. yeah. Yes. No, no, I um well thanks so much for coming on brother um my aim in the future and i said this at some of the end of this is to get everyone back on 
uh, but maybe the format will look a little bit different. Um, so we'd love to have you on to see what's been going on in the last couple of years. And it's such an encouraging, um, yeah, just content that you've just shared today. I think a lot of people will get a lot of things out of it. It's probably an episode you'd come back and listen a couple of times. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Joshy, for coming on. Oh, thank you. Cheers for having me, mate. Any thank final you. words? Because I, I, I talked a lot in this one. So any final words? <laughs> um, oh, I feel like uh, I talked a lot. Um, <laughs> my... my uh... My, my mouth is like dry. I've spoken so much. <laughs> um, look, I'll just I'll just end it with um thank thank you so much for your time to everyone that listened as well. And um, I I purely believe that the power in in our own success in our life, whatever that may be, comes from going inwards and focusing on what calls us the most. So yeah, if, beautiful. If you can take a moment to kind of you know sit there, I I have a mantra I say to myself. I'm like. I am me, I am free, I'm everything I want to be. And I sit there and I focus I love on those yeah. things. And yeah, I hope that that, you know, helps help someone heal themselves or find find themselves on their own journey. That's awesome. Thanks, Josh.